0: Hey, will you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that we can come into this place today. Um, I thank you for your work through this church and through our student ministry right now, Lord. We thank you for your work in our lives. And uh, uh, as we come to this time in our service, Father, uh, we're here, uh, we're ready. Uh, Lord, open our minds and our hearts to listen, to hear from you. And uh, would you be glorified uh, in all that we do and all that we say here today. Uh, And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to welcome you uh, to Genesis today. My name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here. And if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn to the New Testament, uh, to the book of 1 Timothy, uh, chapter 6. Uh, If you use something like YouVersion on your smartphone, you're welcome uh, to go there with us. Uh, We'll we'll get to that uh, text in just a moment, but just to give you a little head start. I'm not sure... Uh, If you followed this story that's been in the news for the last week or so, uh, but a really cool story about two men uh, that recently became the first people ever to climb the Dawn Wall on El Capitan, a 3,000-foot sheer rock face in Yosemite National Park in California. Now, the reason why this climb is so difficult, that free climbing is so difficult, is that it has very specific rules. Uh, and that if you're going to abide by these official free climbing rules, uh, for instance, you can't use things like ropes uh, or harnesses to pull yourselves up. I mean, only uh, for safety reason. You can't use pitons or other devices that drive into the rock. You can't make any new holes uh, or new cracks in the rocks. The only thing that you can do in free climbing is use your hands. Uh, Use your feet, uh, use the natural cracks and fissures in the rocks, those things that naturally exist to grip on, to hold on, and to pull yourself up. Now, for these two men, uh, their journey to the top of El Capitan took them three weeks, and uh, over the course of their time climbing, they slept in these cots. All right, now just look at that for a moment and let it sink in. I mean, you don't want to roll out of bed, all right, at, uh, at 2,000 feet, but they slept every night uh, in these hanging cots that were attached to the wall and, you know, all sorts of injuries and bumps and bruises uh, along the way. They used things like super glue uh, to cut the cracks uh, in their hands or, or to put the hands in their cracks or how would I say this? The cracks in their hands. Yeah, wow. Anyways, uh, so moving on, uh, but to, you, to help all the things that come up. And, you know, these men, they started their climb on December the 27th and finally reached the top uh, on January 14th, climbing the equivalent of 300 stories uh, along the way. Pretty impressive, you know, I mean, to, to ever think about doing something like that. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel like Life, uh, especially as, as it has to do with your finances, is like one really big mountain to climb. I mean, as you just think about the effects that money has on us and the pressure uh, of money, I mean, maybe the, the financial mountain for you is that there's never enough. I mean, you just never feel like there's quite enough. There's never enough money, and well, if you could only make a little bit more, I mean, just one more raise or... Uh, maybe you're continually frustrated by the rising cost of money, I mean, especially as you work through the grocery store, or maybe things like this come up. They just seem to come up all the time. I mean, just when you think you're getting ahead. I mean, there's an accident or something breaks or there's an unexpected bill that arrives in the mail. Uh, maybe the financial mountain for you is Debt. And that debt for you has everything to do with college right now or maybe college in the last few years. And so all of the uh, bills that are adding up, maybe uh, the financial debt for you is the result of some uh, poor financial decisions from your past or uh, maybe a job loss has caused you to accumulate some debt. Um, personally or with your family, I mean, debt that you've accumulated just as a way of, uh, of keeping up and, and keep going. I mean, if, if you're overwhelmed with debt right now, I mean, calling your financial burdens a mountain not to climb is, is probably uh, a really good comparison. Well, the truth is, uh, and we all know this, we know that money has a way of getting a hold of us, Uh, It has a way of gripping us and consuming so much of our lives, and that's why uh, we're starting this new series this morning, The series that we're calling The Ladder, and uh, this three-week series is all about escaping that hold and climbing to places and possibilities uh, with God, these places that God has for you and has for me. They're these places that we want to get to with His help, uh, places that we could never get On our own. Now, uh, as you see, I've got a ladder here on the stage, and uh, I think we all know this. This is pretty much common sense, but one of the most important safety uh, rules when it comes to using a ladder is one step at a time, right? I mean, you're supposed to take it one step at a time, just a little by little. And so, what we're gonna do is over the next few weeks, we're gonna focus on taking steps, uh, maybe even one step at a time. Maybe the work that God wants to do in your life over the next few weeks is to help you take just one step. Uh, on the ladder, but we want to take these steps with our finances uh, so that we can get where God wants to take us. Now, I always like to say this. I, I know that whenever we talk about something like money in church, some of you get a little anxious and all of a sudden your collar starts to feel a lot tighter than it did this morning when you first came or you're... Sweaty, or your heart starts racing, things like that. Maybe you brought a friend today, and and you're already thinking. I mean, of all the days to talk about money, I mean, why we got to talk about money the day that that I bring my friend? Let let me just kind of set your minds at ease for just a moment, if I can. If you're new today. Uh, If you're new to Genesis, if you're new to all of this, uh, I want you to know that you're off the hook with this series. Uh, You really are. I mean, over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to talk about money, and we're going to talk about what God has for us, what he desires for us as Christians and as a church when it comes to our finances. But if you're new today, here's what you get to do. You get to just kick back over the next few weeks. You get to watch everyone else sweat, all right? And and you can just kind of take it in for yourself, and you get to ultimately decide what you want to do with it. But no matter, uh, no matter who you are, no matter how you got here or why you're here today, um, please know that this series is not about the church getting more of your money, all right? The, The heart of this series is not about the church getting more of your money, but what it is instead is it's about understanding God's desire to have my whole heart and to have your whole heart. You see, he wants every part of us Uh, He wants every bit of our heart, and honestly, uh, for some of us, uh, we know, you know that money and the desire for money, or at least the fear that's associated with money, occupies a large part of our hearts, and so the latter is about God moving us from a place where we are financially dependent, and and we go looking to money to provide for us and to bring us security and significance, uh, but moving instead to a place where we are fully dependent on the Lord. And we are trusting in him for all things. It's, it's a life where, where we put all of our trust. It's, it's a life of generosity where we put all of our trust and all of our faith in him. And so, uh, like we talked about a couple of years ago, if you've been around Genesis for a little while now, we're coming back to this series Uh, that we uh, titled uh, The Ladder. And uh, the object illustration is just basically this. We want to pretend like the ground floor uh, represents a a kind of a stress-filled life. It's an anxiety-filled life uh, when it comes to money, it, it's a it's a life, it's a perspective that maybe uh, you receive from your parents uh, or that you've just grown up with or you've just kind of learned naturally there where we say that everything that I has, it's mine, it all belongs to me and so I'll manage how I'll ch- I choose to manage it. it it's a very me-centered uh, approach to finances. It's kind of a, it's my way really is the only way sort of approach to finances. We're going to let the ground kind of represent that for us. Now, the top of the ladder is the direction that God wants to get us moving in. I mean, this is the place where he'd like us all to grow. It's a place of dependence and trust. We'll just call it financial peace. It's it's an outlook where we remember and we understand that it all belongs to him and that we're just on the receiving end and we're the managers of his resources, but our faith is in him and our trust is in him. And so the ladder then is a tool for us. And remember, we've talked about this one step at a time. i right, it's important to take one step at a time on the ladder. But the direction that God wants to get us moving in our walk as followers of Jesus is a life where we're climbing this ladder. And as we climb the ladder, we're learning to trust more. And as we climb the ladder, we're becoming more and more dependent on Him as we realize that it's all from Him. And what we get to do as we give and as we trust, as we participate in the work that He's doing in our church and we participate in the work that He's doing in this world and with ministries like our GSM ministry. And so here's what I'd like to ask of you Uh, whether you would say that you are very generous or you've never given to a place like Genesis Church, uh, whether you watch your money like a hawk, or it just kind of floats in and it it, it floats out of your hands. Over these next few weeks, I hope that you'll listen. Uh, No matter what your perspective is, no matter what your opinion is of this, I hope that you'll listen. And maybe even pray today, maybe even pray right now, Lord, Lord, would you just open up my heart? Uh, would you open up my heart to hear from you on this matter and to hear what he has to say? And my hope is that over the course of this series that every person here will take one step on this ladder. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what it means to take the first step up onto the ladder today. If you're uh, at First Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, move over to verse 17. We'll have the verses for you here on the screen too. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes for us. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Now, stop there for a second. At at first glance, we might read a verse like this and think to ourselves, okay, well, this is clearly not for me. All right, I'm not rich. I mean, I in in no way qualify as rich, so this must uh, not be for me. But therein lies the first problem for us. I mean, doesn't it? I mean, when you think about it, isn't rich always someone else? I mean, when we think about it, when we compare, I mean, rich is always someone else. Rich is always the other family. Rich is the person who drives that kind of a car or lives in that sort of a uh, neighborhood. Rich is always more than what I have, but consider this. Look at it this way. If you drove here in a car today, you are far off, uh, by, you are by far better off than most people Uh, Around the world today. I mean, if you own a car, and even if that car broke down on the way to church uh, this morning, I mean, you're rich in comparison uh, to the majority of the rest of the world. If you have a pair of shoes on your feet right now, uh, compared to most people in the world uh, right now today, you're rich. In fact, if you make more than $2 a day, did you know that you're in the top 2% of the wealthiest people in the world right now? See, The truth is that if you live in America, and I'm supposing that at least most of us do, you're rich. And that just means that no matter where you stand financially right now, we live in the richest nation, in the richest time of all of history. And so when Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich in the present world, he's talking to us too. All right, we just have to, we have to listen uh, with a set of ears, realizing that he's talking to us, too. As followers of Jesus living in America, these words are for us. They, they apply, they're relevant to us. And so Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to his apprentice Timothy. Uh, Timothy was living and working uh, in Ephesus at the time, and this church in Ephesus was made up of slaves and widows, those who were very poor, uh, but it was also made up of some very well-to-do families. Now, I want you to, to under, I want to make sure that you understand what Paul is not saying here. Uh, he's not saying that you shouldn't be rich. Uh, He's not saying that you should feel guilty for what you have or what you've earned or what you've been able to accomplish. Uh, He says, don't be ashamed of your financial position. He's not saying that we should be ashamed of that. But notice how Paul recognizes and he understands the power and the influence that money can have over us. I mean, he says, hey, there's just some danger that comes in having money and having a lot of money and living in a culture that's all about money and possessions and greed. And so when you've got it, you're gonna tend to put your hope into it. And isn't, isn't that just so true of today? I mean, I think we could all agree uh, on that, no matter where or how new you are to all of this. I mean, think about all of the ways that we tend to misplace our hope by putting our hope in money. I mean, we look to money and try to find security in it, don't we? I mean, isn't that so true? I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're in January right now, and so uh, probably like many of you, we've been receiving all those 2014 statements and, you know, looking at what our mutual funds did over this past year, looking at what our retirement did, looking at our college 529s, and it's fun to watch those things grow, but even as I look at them, I can't help but look at them and ask, is, is it enough? I mean, will there be enough? Will there be enough to send kids to college? Will there be enough to retire one day? And so we look to money, Uh, For security, we also look to money for satisfaction. Now, this has a lot to do more with spending than saving, but so often our hope is rooted in the fact that if we just had a little bit more, well, then we'd maybe finally feel better about our lives, or we, we, we put our hope in money by looking to it for significance, I mean, think about how often we think. You know, if only I had a little bit more money. If I had a little bit more money, I could buy a bigger house. We could get another bedroom. We could get another, you know, car garage. I, I could, I, I could get a nicer car, or I can get nicer clothes. And then what? Well, then I'd be happy, right? Or then we'd finally fit in. Or then I'd feel like my life had value. See, this is <laughs> don't move so fast. This is bottom of the ladder sort of living. All right, it's bottom of the ladder. It's doing things our way. It's putting all of our hope and all of our faith in money. And here's the good news. Here's the good news for us. And if you don't take away anything else from today, you know, please hear this. See, God loves you. I mean, he loves you and, and, and he chose you and he cares about you. And because he cares about you and because he cares about me, he, he doesn't want you. He doesn't want me living my life trapped and consumed by the fear or the desire of money. He doesn't, he doesn't want you uh, to find your significance in money. He wants to free you from that hold and free me from that hold. He doesn't want you putting your hope in money. And, uh, he, but instead, what he wants is he wants us to put our hope in him. See, this this journey up the ladder is a matter of trust. It's a journey of trust. And seeing that it all comes from Him and our dependence is in Him and our trust is in Him for all things. And here's what I believe. Um, I I believe that we want that. that. I I believe that, I'm willing to believe that that we all, at least most of us, want that. And I, I know many of you and I know your heart And I know your desire to really live for the Lord and to watch your lives grow and to watch your faith grow. And and so we don't want to live in fear. And we don't want to live our lives uh, consumed by money. I mean, I really think that we want to be generous, you know, that we want to continue being a generous church. Or if you haven't gotten started in this, that you want to be a part of the generosity. I mean, you want to trust God as your source and as your provider. But the problem is that we just can't snap our fingers and expect it to happen. And it's not going to just happen on its own. And so how do you do that? I mean, what does it look like to put our hope in God instead of money? We'll go back to the text again. Again, back to verse 17, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to do what? He says, but to put your hope in God. And this is the real difference maker, as he says, who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. He says, Command them then to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. See, this verse is all about where we're going. Over the next few weeks together, it's moving away from a life of anxiety and believing that it's all mine towards this life of generosity. Climbing the ladder uh, is stepping away from a life of of anxiety and stress and worry and greed and materialism, and instead moving in this direction of generosity. And here's what God has to say about the benefits uh, of generous living. Verse 19, he says, in this way. Now, whose way? It's in his way. Right, not my way, not in the way that I formulated or put it together, but when I follow his way, he says, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, God has a way for us. He's got a way for you and a way for me and a way for us. He's got a plan for our lives, uh, especially as it has to do with the way we view And the way that we handle money. And so Paul says when when we give, we start laying up treasure. And Jesus used that language. That came from Jesus, you know, who years before talked about treasure in his sermon on the mount. And he said, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But do this instead. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. And then he says, for where your treasure is there will your heart be also. See, Jesus said, don't blow your money. Don't don't blow through your money on just things in this world, things that really in the grand scheme of things don't matter. In another place in Scripture, he said, uh, remember, life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions, and so make sure you're investing in things that have eternal value. You know, this kind of living, we would say, it includes things like giving to your church and tithing to your church, but it's much broader than that, too. I mean, it's about investing in people. It's about investing in God's work. It's about growing God's kingdom, and it's about moving forward those things that he's doing and those things that he wants to do. It's it's investing in things that you may or may not see accomplished or completed uh, in your lifetime. In fact, Look at it like this. I want want to get you thinking about something for just a moment, and this is just really cool because uh, many of you are here today, uh, and you're here today, and maybe uh, throughout the course of your time at Genesis, you've been baptized here, or you've baptized a child here. Uh, Some of you, maybe you've been married in this building, or uh, at least through the ministry of this church, maybe you've found some healing here. Uh, Your marriage was healed here. Maybe you came here in a really difficult place and time in your life, and And the Lord is just doing some great work. Maybe you were on your way to Walmart one day, and all you did was just see the sign for Genesis, and somehow you found your way into this building. But whatever the case is, you know that you're a different person today because of the work the Lord's been doing in your life uh, through this church. Well, did you know, you may not realize this, but uh, about 12 years ago, there was a group of people that sat in the living room, people that maybe you've never met before, and they started praying about Genesis Church. And this call that God had put on their life to start a brand new church, and not only did they pray, but they started giving, and they started moving up this ladder, and they started trusting the Lord, and they gave sacrificially to the ministry of Genesis Church, and many of you are here today because of their generosity. You're here today because of their giving, and it gets better than that because some of you have come along now since then, and God has worked in your heart, and you've prayed, and you've served, and you've given generously, and you've helped make room for more people, room for others that are here even right now, and not only uh, here, but you know what? And and last week, I preached over at our Carmel campus, and uh, if you're new to Genesis and don't realize this, uh, about two and a half years ago, we sent... Uh, 130 people from this noblesville campus uh, to a building in carmel to start a brand new campus Uh, and along with those 130 people we as a church gave over and above what we were giving at a total of around about 150 thousand dollars and so we sent this money and we sent these 130 people and last week when i preached there do you know there were 380 people that packed into that building at uh, 13200 old meridian and Uh, Many of them, maybe you've never even met before, but somehow uh, the Lord discovered them or found them and brought them into that church, and it was through people like you praying and inviting and giving, and so people are finding their way back to God, not only here in Noblesville, but at our Carmel campus too. See, people you've never met gave something so that you could be here and find your way back to God, and now many of you are giving, and you're giving for the sake of someone that you might not ever meet, but you're giving and you're trusting and you're obeying and God's changing your life and he's changing lives through this church. And today he's inviting us to all get in the game and to be a part of it and to trust him more and to grow in our faith. I mean, we have the opportunity to honor God and play a big part as we give to the work right here in central Indiana and around the world. And when we give, we're learning to trust and we're believing that he'll provide. See, when we give, what we're doing is we're acknowledging that it all comes from him, that it all belongs to him. And giving is just one way we do that. It's one way that we acknowledge that it all comes from him, that it's not mine, that I didn't create it, and I don't deserve it. And look at it like this. And if you're taking notes, if you're following along with us today, write this down. we are just called this our generosity principle number one. Again, it's in your notes, but it's realizing it's getting to the place where we believe and recognize that it all comes from God. That it, everything, everything that I have, it all comes from God. Psalm 24.1 says it like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. See, it all comes from him. It's his to distribute, to freely give. If you're a Christian, uh, we've got to get, you've got to get to a place where you see that everything you own, you have because he shared it with you that he's our great provider. And as we come to understand this and as we come to surrender our will and live obediently for him, we're gonna find, we're gonna discover what Paul says. We're gonna take hold of the life that is truly life. He calls it taking hold of the life that is truly life. And that life is a life that's secure. It's a life that's satisfying. It's a life that's significant. But to get there, we've gotta commit to doing it God's way, of following his plan and his will for our lives. We've gotta take a step and start moving in the direction that he has for us. And so remember, the ladder is a tool uh, to get you somewhere that you can't get on your own. And so let's talk about, uh, just briefly, what it means to take the first step up on the ladder. And that's a step that maybe many of you need to take today, uh, is to move from the ground and to take that first step up on the ladder. And so we're going to call it uh, what it means to become a priority giver. Uh, I want to challenge you. I want to get you thinking and praying about what it means for you in your life and in your home to become a priority giver. This is the first step uh, that we take up onto this generosity ladder, and it's a step where you realize and recognize that you're not giving anything, or maybe you give very sporadically, uh, but here's what happens. I want to challenge you to become a priority giver, and this just means that you give something on a regular basis. To the ministry of this church. If this church is your home or if there's another church that you attend and maybe you're just here as a guest today, you start giving uh, to your church. Again, wherever you call your church. Uh, and many of you, I know, are already beyond this. You've already moved well past this first step. Uh, but let's remember, for all of us, this was the first step uh, that we took on the ladder. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you three things, uh, three very practical ways. If you're new at this, if you've never done this before or you're ready to get started in this, three ways that we become priority givers. The first thing is this. Priority giving means that you give first. Let me help you understand what that means. This is how we get started. It's about changing the way that you live. Uh, It's revisiting your lifestyle and the way that you look at money. Uh, Giving first means, just very practically, that when you get paid, the first check that you write is to God, back to the Lord, uh, through your church, through the place that you worship. Proverbs 3, 9 says like this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, this gets me thinking back to high school. Uh, I remember one fall, I took on the job of picking apples uh, at a local apple orchard, and, uh, it was a first for me, and, uh, So we put this bag on every afternoon, and we climbed up into these trees, and I think we were paid something like 90 cents a bushel. And when I looked back at the end of the season, and I really did the math, I could tell who won in that equation, all right? The uh, owner of the apple orchard came out on the very better end of this apple picking. But we'd climb up into the tree, and we'd pick these apples, and you'd put them into your bag, and these apples were taken, and they were sold to different markets, or they were sold at the different roadside stands of this particular uh, orchard. But there was another part of the job too and that is at the very end of the day we'd spend the last half hour or so and you would take these wooden crates and you could walk along the ground and you would pick up all of the apples that had been laying on the ground all right and many of them were a little mushy and there were different things going on there was a reason why they fell out of the tree but you would take these apples you'd put them into the wooden crate and you know what they do to those apples? I may ruin this for some of you. Cider, all right. I mean, this this is cider, and I'm I'm just assuming that's the place everywhere. Maybe not. At least in this particular orchard, these were the the cider apples. I I, I have a difficult time drinking apple cider today because I helped participate uh, in the collection of, of these apples. I I would much prefer the apple off the tree. All right, I'll, I'll take the first. Uh, from the tree, uh, they're a little bit more pleasing to the appetite. You know, in the very same way, God wants our best uh, for for uh, from us, uh, and that means giving first. Uh, giving first, we honor the Lord when we give the first fruits of our income. In biblical times, you know, people were typically paid uh, at the very end of the week. They were paid on a Friday, and because Saturday was the Sabbath, they would visit the temple or they'd visit the synagogue, and they would make a financial gift to God. And so it was the first gift that they made. They were paid on Friday. The first gift they made was the following day on Saturday in the temple or at the synagogue. Before anything else, they made a financial gift to God first. Now, most of us have the advantage of knowing we get a paycheck, and we, we know what the paycheck will be, but during this time, if you're anticipating a harvest, I mean, there's no guarantee that you're going to get a harvest again, and so you can see how it was a real matter of trust to give from the first fruits of your harvest, and as it was a matter of trust and faith then, it's a matter of trust and faith for us too, because logic tells us to take care of our needs first, Logic says pay the bills first, you know, pay the mortgage, uh, pay the utility bill, buy groceries, pay direct TV. I mean, we take care of our needs first, and then if there's anything left over, then maybe we send a little God's way. Uh, This is the way Jenny and I used to do it. All right, when we first got started in our marriage, I mean, no one had ever taught us how to do this, and so we'd pay the bills first. And once everything was taken care of, I mean, we might put $20 in once in a while, or if we were feeling especially generous, we'd put $50 in the offering. And it wasn't until a few years into our marriage that we learned the importance of giving to God first. See, priority giving means giving to the Lord first. I mean, we start our climb up the ladder when we commit to give to God first. And some of you are ready to take that first step uh, in your life today. Now, For those of you that are ready and willing to do this, to take this first step up the ladder, I want you to know that I'm not so much concerned about the amount uh, that you give as just as much as I'd love to see every person in this church get started on the ladder, to start taking these steps in your life. And and the only thing that I'll say about the amount is this, uh, that it has, I, I think it has to be something significant. Uh, It should be something significant for you, something significant enough that you notice. I mean, this is really, when you think about it, this is the way that we ask God to start changing our lives uh, in this area. And so, uh, again, very practically, what does it mean to give first? Uh, Giving first means the first check that you write. Uh, You know, if you get paid on a Friday and you know you have bills, the first check that you write is back to the Lord. And back to your church. And if you do uh, enjoy something like banking online, uh, you can join almost half of our church that uses our online giving system. Uh, You can find it through our website. Uh, We use our, 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 uh, my family Uh, at our home, Jenny and I, we use our online giving program uh, so that every two weeks, uh, the first gift that we make is back to Genesis Church. And again, I know that some of you, uh, maybe recently, or you're ready to take this first step uh, to become a priority giver. And here's what you need to do next. I want to challenge you to pray. Uh, challenge you to pray and ask the Lord to give you the faith and to give you the trust to do this. I want to challenge you to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what's the amount you have in mind for me? Uh, what's the step of faith that you want me to take uh, right now in that? And so ask him and pray those things uh, and get started and get started up the ladder by giving first. The second thing is this. Let's give first consistently. John, I'm going to go ahead and switch over, all right? We need to give so we can buy a new microphone, so <laughs> we'll get a new microphone. We'll, we'll, we'll get that fixed. But the second thing is to give first consistently. And again, if we really want to grow in this area and break the hold uh, that money has over us, we've got to come up with a plan uh, for consistent growth. I mean, generosity is just like so many other things uh, in life. If we want to get good at it, it's going uh, to take practice. Look at it like this. I'm, a, I'm volunteer coaching Uh, I have two boys. I'm coaching their basketball team right now. And uh, it's a fourth and fifth grade team and we're having a lot of fun together, and for many of these boys, they're still very new at basketball, and so when it comes to developing a practice plan, and what we do every Wednesday night at practice, it's a lot of basics when it comes to dribbling, and it's a lot of basics when it comes to shooting, and rebounding, and defense, and how to move around on the court, and we've been making some progress, and week one, we won our first game, all right, I was 1-0 as a coach, my lifetime record was 1-0, and and sadly, we've now dropped two straight. And we dropped another one again yesterday, and I know there's some people that are already asking for my resignation as a coach. Honestly, I think it has to do something with deflated basketballs, Uh, seems to be the problem for us. But here's what I believe. I believe as a coach that if we just keep practicing the basics, my hope is that by the end of the season, we're going to see some growth. And in the very same way, if we want to grow in our faith, uh, and if we want to grow in our generosity, we can't just give once in a while. I want to encourage you to practice giving consistently uh, back to God, and so priority giving means giving first, uh, but it also means giving first consistently, uh, that you do it every time you get paid, and you make it a habit in your life so that it can become a discipline for you. The last thing is this. It's to give in a measurable way. Uh, We want to give first. We want to give first consistently, and we want to give in a measurable way. And this is really important because I want to challenge you to give in a way that you can measure, uh, to give in a way that you can account for. I mean, look at it like this. Uh, we're talking about an area of our lives that we want to grow in, and how do you know if you're growing? You've got to be able to measure. You've got to be able to look back and see. And so give in a measurable way, uh, give in a way that can be accounted for. And, again, this may mean giving online. Uh, or by check and if you do either one of these uh, we will'll ch- uh, we'll track it for you and what we'll do is we'll make a financial statement available to you uh, several times uh, throughout the year or anytime you call for that matter and if you give online uh, there's some convenience too in that you can create a profile and you can track what you give uh, every single week or every two weeks or every month and you can take a look at any time and see what you've given over the course of a year you can see your statement uh, anytime you want now I I know that in the seats, and again, in case you're new to all of this, we've got some of these blue cards, and if you're not using our online giving system, or if that might be something you're interested in, uh, you can find those instructions on there, or you can call anytime, and we've got people on our team that would be happy to help you with that. We also have these envelopes uh, that we keep in the seat for you, and I would say that these envelopes are especially for those of you, if you do like to give uh, cash. Uh, And if you like to give cash, you can put your uh, cash in those envelopes anytime that you're ready to give. Put your information uh, on the envelope again just so that we can account uh, for you. Whatever you choose. Whatever way you choose to give, I think that you should give in a way that you can measure. Now, some people resist at times when we talk about giving in a measurable way, and we might say something like, I mean, didn't Jesus tell us to give, to do our giving in secret? I mean, why, why should we keep account of this? Well, Jesus did say that giving isn't about impressing anyone else or trying to look good, but do you know how uh, the people in the very first church in Acts gave their gifts? Uh, They would often come to the place of worship, and they would lay their gifts at the feet of the church leaders. We're not going to do that, all right? You don't need to be near my feet, all right? We're not going to make that move uh, with our offering, rest assured in that. But um, we want to give. I want to encourage you to give in a measurable way. Again, giving in a measurable way uh, provides means for you to look back and see how you're growing. Uh, As an individual, for us to see how we're growing together as a church. I mean, I love it when we receive our year-end statement uh, that comes from this church and from other places that Jenny and I support financially. The first reason is, and I'll be honest, I hand that over to my accountant, and uh, we appreciate uh, the deductible, the tax deductible that comes from that. That's nice, but more importantly, I like to see what we're giving, and I like to compare that with how much we made over the past year. And I want to see and I want to feel and I want to know how God has been providing for us and uh, what we've been able to give and contribute to. And even as we get to thinking about what do we want to do over the course uh, of this next year. And so uh, maybe you're ready to take that first step today to start giving first, to give consistently and to give in a a measurable way. And, And my hope is just simply this, that for every single one of us that we will over the next few weeks take a step. Up onto, or maybe another step up, and that's what we'll talk about over these next couple of weeks, onto the ladder. And we do that as a way of honoring Him. We do that as a way of remembering that it all comes from Him, it all belongs to Him. We get started in this direction of generosity so that our faith in Him will increase and our trust in Him will grow, and that we get to see and participate in the work that He's doing through this church and in our world. And uh, let me say this, I realize that for some of you, taking this first step up onto the ladder will be one of the most difficult steps that you will ever take in your life because it takes a lot of courage and overcoming that fear and when you think about it, and trusting him. And so pray and ask the Lord to give you the faith, to trust him, to believe in him, to see and to experience how he provides. And I'll tell you a little bit more of my story next week, but I'm a living testimony of how he does that. And I know that's the case for many of you too. He always provides. He loves to take care of his children. I want to show you one story of how he's doing that in one family in our church. Check this out.
1: About two years ago, uh, Courtney and I came face to face with the realization that uh, we all hope to avoid financially um, and that was we were in debt uh, and quite a bit of it. Uh, we just took it straight to the Father and began to pray, um, just confessing that um, while we were tithing, um, that we had taken the rest of it and, and wasted and overspent. About that time, uh, Courtney and I both started feeling Like the Lord was leading us to sell our house, um, which seemed absolutely crazy. And we were um, just surrounded with doubts. We hadn't lived there long. Um, We had just had Judah. He was uh, two months old. Um, We had just started to get the house the way we wanted it. It was right around the corner from Genesis. It was like the perfect location. We couldn't understand um, why He would want us to sell it. Um, so we started asking people to pray with us uh, and surround us in prayer and that conviction didn't go away and we realized it was time to take that step of of crazy faith um, and put our house on the market and it sold in 36 hours and with the money that we got from the house we were able to pay off most of our debt The next step for us was uh, another step of trust, moving all of our belongings into a storage unit uh, in Noblesville and moving in with my dad and Anderson and that's what every young father hopes to do is move his family back in with his parents, Um, but uh, it was a huge blessing and we were so thankful. So prayerfully, um, we started looking for houses in Noblesville again. Um, We found one that we thought might be our dream house. It was awesome and uh, we made an offer and through some crazy events, uh, it all kind of fell through when it looked like it might not. And we found another house um, and we loved it as well and made an offer and the offer was accepted. And uh, unfortunately that one fell through at inspection and Courtney and I just were kind of crushed The Lord still had a plan um, and it was to provide this this breath of fresh air uh, through someone at Genesis Church, Um, one of the uh, ladies that goes there is a mortgage officer and um, she just encouraged us and was on our team and fought for us and kind of gave us the boost to look for the next house and and we found one and uh, we loved it and it was in our price range and it was everything that was on our needs list. It wasn't everything we wanted, but it was everything that was on our needs list. And we made an offer um, and it got accepted and everything went smoothly and we got it. So we have received our provision, um, but we know moving forward we have to continue to trust our Father with our, our, our finances and our fears and our doubts. Uh, he proved himself bigger, he proved himself faithful and he proved himself trustworthy, that we can bring our finances before him, however messed up they are. Um, and we can trust him with him because of how much he loves us.
0: Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we are uh, here today. And it is our heart's desire to trust you, and we thank you, Lord, for that reminder that you love us, that you chose us, that you care for us, and we know that as it all belongs to you, that you love to provide for your children. Uh, God, would you increase our faith right now? Increase our faith so that we might be willing to take whatever steps you might call us to as we leave here today. Uh, God, it is our desire, as individuals, as followers, and as a church, to trust you and to trust you for all things. And it's in Jesus' name we.